deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the Griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shriekcast. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, three weeks. It's been three weeks. It might as well be 3,000 years. 3,000 years. Yeah, I mean, given the rate that she normally tweets at, might as might as well be, right? Like, damn, J.K. Rowling has been gone from Twitter for three weeks now. It's getting a little uh, worrisome, I think. Not even a peep. Not even not a, a peep. Not a single like. No. Not a reply. Nothing. Nothing at all. So I had, as we as we were sitting down to record this episode, I had a brain blast that I would like to share with you. Great. I am envisioning, so she fired her personal assistant, right? We know that. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm envisioning that she has a new personal assistant who is like a Jeeves-type figure who is coming in and fixing her life and has is, is slapped the phone out of her hand uh, and is and is teaching her uh, to have a new lease on life. That is my... That I, is... Love, I love that. That's so whimsical. Yeah, she has like a magic butler who who has appeared and, and he's very uh he's very kind of sardonic and wry but he you know he has her best interests at heart but he definitely knows that she needs to stop being transphobic on twitter is it dobby no i think dobby would be too <laughs> enraptured she he, like dobby i love dobby we we here at the street cast we we love dobby but yes i do not think dobby has it in his heart uh, in his particular range of skills, uh, and what have you, to to pull a Jeeves on someone, he would just be so he'd be like, oh, oh, Miss Rowling, yes, please keep keep retweeting Graham Lynham. Oh yes, oh get them like like he he would be so into whatever she was doing, he would not uh he would not be able to step in to stop her being shitty. Yeah, I guess that's Dobby's weakness as a character, right? He's an enabler. Yeah, absolutely. He he's. You know he's very he's very faithful. Um, he's he's very caring, but like he he would never he would never be able to like he doesn't he doesn't have that kind. I don't want to say he doesn't have mental fortitude because that's mean, but he doesn't have the kind of mental fortitude required to be like uh, a a Jeeves type figure to like steer someone's life in a better direction. You know. No, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, Winky might try to give up drinking. You know, she's she's been drinking a ton of butterbeer uh, every night, and he, she might, you know, be trying to quit, and and will be like grumpy, and Dobby will be like, just one butterbeer is fine. I've, <laughs> right. I've, compl- I've completely made all of this up about Dobby. This is not in the text um, <laughs> whatsoever, but, uh, you know. Uh, it's it's my new headcanon about, about my belo- the beloved character Dobby. Well, I was gonna say, oh, I hope J.K. Rowling's okay. Like, re- really worried, but I'm actually not all that worried about her. So, whatever, you know. Yeah, she's, I, she's, I feel like it's probably something very mundane. Yeah, she probably just saw saw one too many people calling her like, I don't know, more like R.K. Jowling or something, and she threw her phone <laughs> across the room or something, and 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 hasn't, yeah, yeah, hasn't logged back in. So last week. Uh, our hot reporting um, skills uncovered, well, my, my Googling skills uncovered the fact that the Fantastic Beasts movie had been delayed. Uh, the the mm-hmm. production had been delayed. We still don't know why, 
But Dan Fogler, the guy who plays Jacob in those movies, answered a question about it on the set of The Walking Dead or something. What? Um, He's in The Walking Dead? I I guess. I, I've, I've never seen a single episode of The Walking Dead. Yeah, I've, I watched the first season and that was enough for me. Uh, but yeah, no, he was asked about it and he said, yeah, we start in the fall. The movie is going to be gigantic. The reason we were given is that the movie is bigger than the first two combined. They needed. Oh, no. They what needed, does that mean? They needed more time to prep <laughs> and they didn't want to rush anything. So they pushed it back. That I am putting, I am, I am starting to be convinced that the, uh, they are turning all three remaining movies into one movie thing is going to be true. Uh, or they're just going to get exponentially bigger as they go. <laughs> oh, the God. fifth one, the fifth one is going to be 100 hours long. Oh, Jesus. Just the biggest cinema event of the century. The biggest, absolutely, the hugest cinema event. No, I, to me, to me, this this feels like a very PR speaky, like like oh, it's going to be it's going to be so big and epic. Yeah, I guess that's how you would spin it, right? If you were taking three movies and turning it into one, it's like instead of having three movies, we're having one epic movie. Well, and and specifically the language, the they needed more prep time and they didn't want to rush anything. Like, as opposed to making a normal movie, like, 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 I don't know, like, this just seems, this just seems very PR spin to me. Um, hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. I'm very, very curious. Um, I was gonna say, like, that seems really difficult, but like, nothing has really been set up. They could really just have Dumbledore duel Johnny Depp and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good way to phrase it. Just like, oh, just get to, <laughs> just get to the fucking duel. We know it's coming. Yeah, I just, I, I think WB and JK Rowling might have severely overestimated how much people care about that duel, right? Like, like to make four movies leading up to it, presumably, for it to happen enough in a final fifth one. Like, that just seems, I don't know. That's a lot. That's a lot of setup for For something we little. already know about in pretty specific detail right like like book six half blood prince goes into excruciating detail about a lot of shit that happened in the past and i'm pretty sure one of them is the duel right like like it serves it, it serves its narrative purpose all the juice has been sucked out of that one i think yeah i'm trying i'm trying to like think about other like legendary cinematic showdowns in in movies i mean it's the star wars set thing up right and, it's it's anakin yes. versus obi-wan and we all and, and of course everyone loves those right like uh, yeah 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 like, this is this is much more anakin versus obi-wan than it is uh like luke facing the emperor for the first time it's just <laughs> it's very it's very boring yeah yeah so 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 we will we will keep our eyes, eyes peeled but i'm beginning to suspect that that is going to be the that's going to be the news is that the, the third movie will be the last one and then either they will make something else completely new or they'll they'll do the cursed child thing i just I, there's gotta be people like fucking knocking down jk rowling's door demanding that that they make a cursed child movie it makes so much money on broadway it is like the biggest thing on broadway uh yeah yeah it, it really kind of it makes me like can they bring back daniel radcliffe I, like rupert grant 100 they can no offense oh, yeah. to rupert he would, he would do um 100 daniel and um 
I'm not very good with names today. Emma Emma Watson? Yes, thank you. Emma Watson are a little bit more of a question mark, I think. Didn't Emma Watson threaten to leave at one point? Like during the original Watson? seven? I think I think that happened. Uh, I, I think she had to be convinced. Or maybe it was Rupert. I, I know one of them nearly walked during the the original seven it seems it seems tough to to bring them back uh but i guess i guess we'll see i feel like that that would kind of uh, the cursed child movie would kind of ride on that a lot but maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong i think i think the i think the the biggest question mark is probably daniel radcliffe because his career has been pretty major since harry potter um yeah uh he's got like two movies coming out in the next couple months and they both look pretty good like he does really like interesting projects and and things and uh it seems kind of i don't know but you know sometimes you gotta collect a paycheck oh yeah yeah well i mean like like rupert rupert does rupert grant mostly does theater now if i remember right and then emma watson he has like a netflix show too oh yeah that's right i forgot about that um and, and then like emma watson like she's been in some big stuff but i don't know if her like I, I feel like she'd be pretty easy to get back on board with a big paycheck, right? Like like she did Beauty and the Beast. Uh yeah. she did the bling ring, but I don't think I don't think it's been uh I don't think her like movie career has been like as as big as Daniel Radcliffe's for sure. Anyway. I I've said it I said it before, but I would be way more interested in seeing Cursed Child than than Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Beast. Yeah. Again, I- the bar is very low. Uh-huh, so don't right. hear that wrong, but but I'm a little bit more interested in that. It it would certainly get me interested in seeing it, right? Like, and 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 that's probably why there is someone definitely at WB just going like, please, can we finish these fucking Johnny Depp movies for the love of God? Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of Harry Potter movies, um, the Harry Potter Studio Tour is adding Gringotts Wizarding Bank. Uh, in a new expansion this is i would say a little bit mm, i'd say okay gringotts is like one of like the, the biggest question marks for me in in the movies uh the look uh i i don't think that that like jk set out or like filmmakers set out to be like intentionally gross and anti-semitic with the depiction but it like ticks all the fucking boxes right the movie set for green gods in the first movie is like one of the biggest eye raising like whoa who who okayed this thing and and bringing back the set for it as like a place you can visit is just very very funny to me yeah that's a little bit of a question mark i will say that i am quietly laughing to myself because when i think of gringotts now uh do i think about gringotts from the movie no <laughs> i, I think of the going. level i will think of the level from harry potter and the sorcerer's stone for the playstation one where you are collecting papers and you and it's like an ice level so you're hairy and you're running around and you're like squeaking across the floor yeah like the parquet floor is 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 like a slippery ice level thing it's so fucking funny yeah it's like we just waxed the floor but you have to collect all these forms we have to do all the paperwork Uh, that is what i'm picturing Um, and i think they should maybe consider doing something similar for the studio tour just just play the mario the mario 64 slide music all the time while you're while you're doing yes absolutely yeah that would get that would get me to go for sure yeah (laughs) i i just don't know and like in this little video they show for it they like have them like all these shots of them like rebuilding the set and like like you know wide angles of it and like the stars of david are still on the floor they didn't they didn't take those out 
it's it's just such a mess of just like i i I think just no one thought about the imagery making this set right like like it just it just ticks every uncomfortable box uh and and i feel like on a revisit you might soften some of that stuff but uh but no they just went for it uh, it is it is just yeah. as weird as it as it was in the film. I kind of forget that Gringotts becomes a bigger plot point later mm. in that they go they break into it in the seventh book. Yeah, there's like a whole because that was my first thought. There. I was like, why why do I care about Gringotts? Like, I know it's just one of the named buildings in in Diagon Alley, mm-hmm. um, but I I didn't quite I, I always forget that that's like a major set piece for uh deathly hallows yeah no no it's because they go there to try and get the sword of gryffindor or something it's a whole it's a whole fucking thing um so yeah so that's a little weird uh and then i have one little piece this isn't really news but i did Mm want to share it um sure because it's from our favorite website bustle love bustle uh and and as we all know bustle is a not so secret marketing arm for whatever the fuck they're always writing about And this article is very funny. This is actually from three weeks ago. It didn't pop up in my feed for some reason. It is titled, Will There Be Another Harry Potter Movie? J.K. Rowling has made her position clear. Um, What? (laughs) (laughs) In that she's writing more of them, yeah. (laughs) Right. So, so, so here's the, here, here we go. The Harry Potter film franchise is undeniably one of the most unifying forces of our time. Great opening. Um, Wait, who is it unifying? Just everyone. Just uh, our time. Everyone? You know, just unifying oh, our time. That's really incredible. They tell stories that all ages can enjoy, from younger, moldable minds looking for inspiration to older, tired minds looking to escape the real world. They're also great for completely hungover minds. Just FYI. Ugh, Asio Rubex and a pizza, am I right? But the question is, will there be another Harry Potter movie made in our lifetime? I guarantee you the answer is yes, regardless of the rest of uh, whether you count Fantastic Beasts <laughs> or not. They will reboot Harry Potter within our lifetimes. There, there's no question. Uh, although the current Harry Potter books and films never get old, the knowledge that the series is over is quite frankly crushing. And guys, the living legend herself, J.K. Rowling, has shut down any slim hopes that we had left for another dose of Potter heaven. Please read another book. <laughs> Ugh, no. My tears flow like a stream down one of Diagon Alley's gutters. That's some imagery. I like That's, that. Uh, it was at the Broadway opening of her play Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which follows the adventures of Harry's son Albus, that Rowling answered the question we've all been asking. Will there be another in the series? I think that really we have now told in terms of moving the story forward, the story that I, in the back of my mind, wanted to tell, Rowling said. Just to be clear, this was a question about writing more books, not movies. So already kind of a leap here. Uh, I think it's quite obvious in the seventh book, in the epilogue, that Albus is the character I'm most interested in. And I think we've done that story justice. So I think pushing it onto Harry's grandchildren really would be quite a cynical move. And I'm not interested in doing that. There's a lot to unpack there. I've... I've heard this before that she says that Dumbledore is her favorite character and the most interesting character to her, which just reading the text is maybe one of the most like question mark things in my uh-huh. head. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, so sad, isn't it? But for those desperate for more magic, here we go. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, a tiny book written by Rolling and Aid of Comic Relief has been made into two movies. And guess what, y'all? There are five set to be made in total. That means three more doses of Harry Potter-esque vibes. So this whole article 
This whole article was just to advertise the fact that Fantastic Beasts movies exist. I disagree. I think that Fantastic Beasts, the movies, have no Harry Potter vibes. Not at all. Absolutely not. They're so... Like, that's why they're so bad, partially. They, they have none of the charm of Harry Potter at all. That's quite an article. The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them franchise might not be Harry, Ron, and Hermione, but it should satiate any Potterish needs for now. And if all else fails, you can always marathon all the OG movies from the comfort of your own home via the televisual medium of your choice. Watch Harry Potter what? and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 on ITV2 tonight at 7.30pm. This entire thing was an article designed to, one, remind people that Fantastic Beasts exist, and two, that you can watch Harry Potter tonight on, on ITV. Thank you very much, Bustle. Bustle is keeping Harry Potter alive. <laughs> I wish it wouldn't. I wish they'd stop. Hmm. Well. <sighs> there are other books to read. There are. There, other, are. Yeah, there really are. There They're really not are. Harry Potter. <laughs> and and, and even, even books that have Harry Potter vibes. Like, I don't there know. There are probably books with way more Harry Potter vibes than the Fantastic Beasts movies have. Jesus, yeah, you'd hope so, right? Like, like that seems easily doable. Um, but yes, thank you, Bustle, for reminding me that there are three more of these god-awful movies to come. Maybe. Uh, maybe, yes, uh, at least one more, I'll, I'll say. At least one more bigger and, and more epic version uh, uh, of Fantastic Beasts to come. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's that's what I got for news this week. I guess we did some reading, not of another book. We but did. Of Harry we read, Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We read that book. We're almost done with that book. Not quite, but we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, I think for this week we're gonna do something different. Um, because we read the three Voldemort chapters. Um, uh -huh. and they comprise basically one scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, overall. So I'm going to run us through three chapters right here at the top. So then we can kind of talk about that one scene yeah. all in one go. I think because there's a lot there. It's just all one chunk, right? Like it's not. Yeah, I think you were saying that the chapter breaks are really there for dramatic effect. And I think that I agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah. So this might be a little bit longer than usual, but if so, like it's it's not going to be by much. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, the first chapter we read is chapter 32. It's called Flesh, Blood, and Bone. Um, Harry and Cedric had just taken the the Triwizard Cup and were uh, port heat away. Uh, they look around and are in a spooky graveyard, and it's it's very spooky, and it's uh, nighttime and. Uh, or like maybe Twilight, and and they're like, I don't know if this is part of the task. Uh, a hooded figure walks up, looks like it's holding a baby, um, and uh, there's a voice, and it says, "Kill the spare," and the the hooded figure kills Cedric. Uh, he then ties Harry to a gravestone. Uh, the gravestone says Tom Riddle. Harry sees the the hooded figure, its Wormtail uh, slash Peter Pettigrew. Um, and uh, Peter Pettigrew grabs a, a big old cauldron uh, and does like a ritual. He put he puts the kind of uh, baby figure and it's a horrible, horrible, grotesque kind of monster. Um, and it's Voldemort and it makes Harry scar hurt. Um, it gets in the cauldron. Uh, Wormtail takes some bone out of the grave uh, 
and says some magic words. Um, he takes, uh, he cuts his own hand off, puts that in the cauldron. He takes some blood from Harry, puts that in the cauldron and does, does the magic spell. And, and out of the cauldron, Voldemort has risen again. That's the end of that chapter. Um, so chapter 33 is called the death eaters. Uh, Voldemort is, is now up and walking around in a normal, normalish body. Uh, and he asks Wormtail, like, show me your arm. Uh, Wormtail, uh, tries to show him the arm that of the hand that he cut off uh, and Voldemort says like no your other one uh, and this is the first reveal of the dark mark which I didn't realize until it happened and so Harry is noticing that Wormtail has has the dark mark tattoo uh, Voldemort puts his wand to it and calls his death eaters and kind of wonders uh, how many people are going to show up uh, Voldemort then spends the rest of the chapter talking. The first thing he says to Harry is that he's tied to the headstone of his father, Tom Riddle Sr., who he has also murdered. Uh, a bunch of Death Eaters arrive. Voldemort kind of gives him a hard time for not uh, coming and finding him uh, while he was like a spirit in the woods. He ends up torturing uh, with Crucio, kind of a ran random Death Eater, and kind of name drops that his name is Avery. Uh, he tells Wormtail that he's a coward uh, and only kind of came back to him out of desperation. Um, but regardless of, of his motivations, uh, he, he will be rewarded for, for resurrecting Voldemort. And so Voldemort does a, a cool spell and gives Wormtail uh, a magical new silver hand. Uh, Voldemort then walks up and kind of talks to Lucius Malfoy uh, by name reveals that Lucius was the one that started the riot at the Quidditch world cup from the beginning of this book. Um, but did end up running away once a mysterious loyal Death Eater uh, cast the Dark Mark. Uh, the Lestranges get name dropped, maybe for the first time, uh, and and he says that they were they remained faithful and went to Azkaban as a result, and they would be rewarded once he breaks them out. And um, also says that the Dementors and the Giants will join him once he kind of does that. Um, he name drops McNair. He talks to McNair and is like, oh. <laughs> Like you've you've been killing animals for the Ministry of Magic, but I'll give you Muggles to kill now. Um, he also name drops Goyle, Crab, and Not. Um, doesn't really have a whole lot to say about them, but he does keep kind of hinting about this mysterious loyal Death Eater uh, that couldn't be with them tonight. Voldemort is now telling his resurrection story that he was hiding in the woods and could only possess wizards. Um, the one time that he possessed Quirrell and, and came to, to find the Sorcerer's Stone, but was kind of that that didn't really work out. And he thought that maybe all hope was lost. He went back to the, the woods where he was hiding um, until Wormtail arrived and, and finally found him. Uh, but also Lord uh, Bertha Jorkins to him. Voldemort had uh, tortured her to get information about the Triwizard Tournament and, and basically uh, formed his, his plan to get, to get Harry to him and to uh, resurrect himself. Fulmer concludes this chapter by saying that he is going to duel Harry uh, to show that, you know, Harry is not stronger than him and, and will not defeat him and he can kill him. Um, he does hit him with a Crucio first though, and it's horrible, horrible pain. Um, chapter 34 uh, is Priori Incan. Tatum. I, I didn't practice that one Priori again. Priori uh, Channing Tatum. 
Priori Channing Tatum. Um, uh, Wormtail gives Harry's wand back and unties him from the headstone. It's time. It's time to duel. Um, Voldemort kind of initiates a traditional duel. Harry thinks back to the dueling club. Voldemort makes him bow and is just kind of mocking him the whole time. And Harry's like, "I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die." Um, uh, he does. Voldemort does hit him with a crucio um, and also tries to imperio him to make him beg to be killed uh but harry is too strong-willed and, and throws off the imperio and and hides behind a, a headstone uh voldemort kind of taunts him and says like oh you're not gonna die cowering uh behind a, a tombstone are you you're gonna die like facing me like your father and so harry decides like that sounds good so he gets up and is like i why will i'll die standing and facing you uh, and Voldemort casts the killing curse, but at the same time, Harry casts Expelliarmus, and the two beams of light meet each other. Harry and Voldemort fly into the air and land some distance away. The, the Death Eaters kind of follow them. Uh, the wands that are now connected by a beam of light create a golden cage, and Harry can hear Phoenix song, and there's like a bead of energy on the beams connecting uh, their wands that Harry uses his strong force of will to to push toward Voldemort's wand. Uh, it hits him, and as soon as it does, um, basically a bunch of ghosts are emerge from Voldemort's wand in backwards order of of uh, Voldemort's killing of them. So we see Cedric at first, and then Frank, the Muggle from the beginning, uh, and then we see Harry's parents, and and they all kind of get get to Harry and they cheer him on and they tell him, you know, you'll you'll get him. Uh, we'll we'll distract him, and then you can run away. Um, Cedric has also asked Harry, like, can you bring my body back? Um, and the ghosts tell Harry, like, t- like the the cup will port you back to the school. Um, so Harry takes takes his chance. The ghosts kind of go to distract Voldemort, and he kind of wrenches his wand away and runs and action and has to dodge a bunch of spells and he grabs Cedric and then grabs the port key and teleports away from from the the graveyard and that's the end of our three chapters good job hey thanks Ah, that was a lot of there's a lot of shit in there to kind of string along into a fucking summary I guess I kind of stumbled from like the middle chapter because it really is just like several pages of Voldemort talking not to be outdone by Sirius Black he just monologued for an entire chapter yeah yeah so yeah let's dig in here I've I've broken tradition I normally just have a glass of water here but for this reading just because I feel like we've got a lot to kind of pick through here I have cracked open a beer because I'm having I'm having a good old Harry Potter lunch beer um, nice what kind of beer is it uh actually you know i said it's we're a beer. not sponsored but i just want to no. i just want to hear the variety i, the I was using please. i was using yeah i was using the colloquial term beer it's actually a cider i'm drinking an ace pineapple cider it's good yeah I like, I like these um but yeah the uh oof. okay so starting at the top um i think that this starts strong uh, and I think there's strong moments throughout the whole thing. Um, but I, the, the running theme of my criticism here, I think is going to be that this, this, these chapters, this scene, uh, keeps working overtime to undercut itself. 
Um, mm. So the the opening scene here where where Cedric and Harry are like chumming around like adventure pals and then he just fucking dies like Cedric just gets murked immediately. I really like this part like Cedric's just gone like whoop there he goes like like that's that's a cool shocking moment. Um, it highlights the like cruelty of Voldemort like immediately like like just a a, a a really good simple moment and Harry's reaction is is very stunned and and interesting. Yeah, a really strong start from Voldemort like as uh, like it is it's like kind of goofy but it's definitely that like oh shit's getting real moment right. in Harry Potter. And yeah. I think that like that scene that the the what Voldemort says, he says kill the spare. I think that's like a really striking moment that I think like if I think back over the course of the entire Harry Potter series, that's probably in my top 10 striking moments of, of the books. It's um, a great as, line. Like, like yeah. just a, a good introductory line for him. Um, so the undercutting though, kind of begins immediately because this, so the scene where Harry is tied up and there's the big cauldron in front of him and the horrible baby thing, a really really great imagery the atmosphere here is so thick and like scary mm -hmm. and it's it like it's just really really cool um yeah peter Pettigrew goes the fuck on here like this this weird so first of all this is like our first glimpse at like some sort of like i guess arcane magic that's different from like the normal magic in harry potter where like like this is like the, the the like the blood magic dichotomy and like other fantasy series things, right? Like this is which I like to see. I, I'm always yeah. happy. Like I want to see the dark magic that I mean, it's really inconsistent in Harry Potter, right? It's just sometimes it's a sword spell, but this is kind of our taste of like the blood magic ritual thing that doesn't come up very much. Yeah. The th so the thing that bothers me here in this otherwise really great striking moment is that. And, and Voldemort has this problem too when he arrives. This just, there is one sentence too many in each one of these uh, uh, incantations. Like, <laughs> Bone of the Father, great. You don't need to go any further than that. That's already evocative and spooky. Um, but then, then this part where he's like tacking on the specific of how it was acquired for each thing <laughs> is just, is just too much for me. It, cause it, it it has the um the the like 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 the Harry Potter magic has always operated on this like silly fun logic of it like it's a it, it'll be a Latin pun right um, yeah but the thing is if you're going to go if you're going to like go arcane and like 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 showcase like a different brand of magic or whatever none of these words mean anything like like I don't know beyond the fact that it works here what the significance of how these items were acquired matters especially because the second one he says is is flesh of the servant giving willingly when he clearly is not willing uh so there's i don't know like i'm i'm reading way too much into this but it's just like to me i just i just want if you're if you're writing spooky mysterious dialogue just make it shorter like like the the more ambiguous it is the scarier it's going to be if you if you if it just becomes a cvs receipt of here's all the dark scary things you need to do it doesn't it's not scary <laughs> anymore right like is this just me being galaxy brain or like is this is this something you felt too i don't think i did about this 
part in specific. Um, and I don't like, again, like I think that the scene is very striking and I, I, I guess like, I have always read into it that the intent of how the items were given mattered, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like if Voldemort could have taken his servant and cut off Wormtail's arm for him, it would not have worked right. because he, he had to have done it himself. Like, mm-hmm. or, or if his father had willingly cut out his bone and given it to, that would not have worked. So I've always read that into it. However, I do think that you are right in that I think all three of these chapters and honestly, like the rest of like, this is the kind of culmination of every single thing is just taken one line too far every single time. Yes. Like everything that happens. I, I like, do you remember the scene a few chapters back? I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago um, in the Owlry when Fred and George kind of yes, encounter uh-huh. they're like, and, and I talked about this like at length being like, the joke was really good at first and mm-hmm. then it just continued one line too far. Exactly. That's these, that, that is, this is like all of these chapters are like, where's the editor to just like cut stuff out. Um, there's a part, I, I, I can't like find it, but like in all of Voldemort's dialogue, the one that stuck out to me was like, he says something to Harry, like you're going to die now. That's going to suck. I wouldn't know. I've never died. And it's just like, it just really didn't need that like <laughs> thing at the end. Like, yeah. please just shut up. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so like, yeah, this is a very evocative, cool, spooky, uh, dark turn, but like, yeah, I just immediately was getting like, Oh no, this is like going on a little long here. However, this chapter, I will say contains maybe my favorite, villain introduction in this series and i'm i'm thinking it might be one of the best villain introductions of all time i don't even know if it's intentional but holy shit voldemort emerging from the cauldron nude and then just saying robe me after murdering a child is just incredible oh my god it is so good like like that says everything i need to know about this character honestly um and I, I loved it. And I don't, I, like, I, I don't even know if I'm supposed to take it as a joke. It's just so casual. Just like the, ah, robe me. Yeah. I, no, I, I, it's very funny. And it kind of, it puts it, I mean, it's like, it's very, it's very spooky funny. So I, I really did like that. It's also such a good introduction and makes me like this chapter right before he just spends the whole time talking. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah. Which I don't super mind. Like he's a goofball, clearly. Um, yeah. Again, let's. I guess we 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 will just keep kind of keep rolling on into the meat of this reading here because that that's where this first chapter ends is with him saying "rogue me." Um, but like like Voldemort has some really amazing lines and like like is a really great presence in this chapter, and I think every one of his lines goes on a paragraph too long right like like think if you lopped the middle out of everything he said and just took like the beginning and the end it would be like the perfect villain speech yeah it's it's very self-indulgent which i don't mind um it's just like leave anything unsaid he over explains himself so much like um, like from the bat, like like he he walks over to Harry after emerging from the cauldron and being and being robed, 
um, and just starts monologuing about, oh, you're you're tied to my father's grave and I killed my father. And, and then like, I feel like you could just stop there, right? Like, like that's enough. But then he just kind of keeps on going and like waxing poetic about like exactly why he killed his father and, and how his father named him Tom Riddle and how he doesn't like the name Tom Riddle. So he took the name Voldemort. It's like, yeah, dude, I fucking know. Like, like, like chill. It, it definitely um, kind of ruins its own suspense, I feel. Like, I, I think that I said this about, like, maybe Sirius's monologue, where it's just, like, for some reason over-explaining just makes me, not, not like, suspicious, but, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't really get the intent behind Voldemort saying everything that he says to Harry and I feel like I mean, it takes me out of it a bit. It is it, it is 100% like to the letter this is a James Bond scene. Like this is this is the James Bond villain has James Bond tied up and decides to tell him his entire plan and life story before James Bond reveals that he has a way to get out of it, right? Like it is which isn't inherent like I like James Bond, but like like it feels weird here because this is a character who has such a menace to him that like he keeps on undermining himself through dialogue by just like refusing to because like like Voldemort I I would say like we've talked about this with Snape but I get this vibe from him from Voldemort here too Uh, do, do you get like a queer coding vibe from Voldemort like like I'm I'm full on imagining like in my head here like practically like the rocky horror show right like like yeah i can see that like like he is vamping it up um for the death eaters and for harry and stuff and like that personality like works when you like when when these characters like have like feel prepared and feel ready and like feel like they are saying exactly what needs to be said and leaving everything else up for like interpretation and leaving it up for like to let the like the mystique carry them uh but he just like explains himself very very uh like vividly and like in great detail over and over here um and like just ceases being mysterious and see and like undermines his own camp uh a bit yeah i i and i don't quite because there are some things where i'm like okay i can understand needing it to be explained because because we have all these puzzle pieces, I guess, like Bertha Jorkins and things like that. And and I get that, like, we need to have that make sense. We're, we're coming up on a chapter where there's just a character that has taken truth serum and just has to say everything. <laughs> so, I, so I don't know why that it all had to be crammed into this chapter that Voldemort would would have to monologue for so much about every little part of his plan and explain himself to Harry and the Death Eaters when we're all we already have a character that's going to serve that purpose in another chapter. Right. Can I try And it's going to be coerced to yeah. say those things. Yeah, yeah. Like like there's it's it's in, uh, unintentionally like creating this weird lack of separation between someone who has been force fed truth serum and someone who has not, right? Like like yeah, I think that Voldemort's going to end up being chattier than the guy that took truth potion. Can I, th- this might be weird. Can I try an experiment here? Yeah. 
Okay, I'm going to read a page as it uh-huh. is written, and then I'm going to okay. read it again with just half of it missing. And I want okay. you to tell wait. me how it, how it feels. Okay, so here's the original one. He began to pace up and down before Harry and Wormtail, eyes sweeping the graveyard all the while. After a minute or so, he looked down at Harry again, a cruel smile twisting his snake-like face. You stand, Harry Potter, upon the remains of my late father, he hissed softly, a muggle and a fool, very like your dear mother, but they had both had their uses, did they not? Your mother died to defend you as a child, and I killed you I killed my father, and see how useful he has provided himself in death. Voldemort laughed again. Up and down he paced, looking all around as he walked, and the snake continued to circle in the grass. You see that house upon the hillside, Potter? My father lived there. My mother, a witch who abandoned her, who lived here in this village, fell in love with him. But he abandoned her when she told him what she was. He didn't like magic, my father. He left her and returned to his muggle parents before I was even born, Potter, and she died giving birth to me, leaving me to be raised in a muggle orphanage. But I vowed to find him. I revenged myself upon him, that fool who gave me his name, Tom Riddle. Still he paced, his red eyes darting from grave to grave. Listen to me, reliving family history, he said quietly. Why, I'm growing quite sentimental, but look, Harry, my true family returns. Okay, so that's that's the page as written, right? <laughs> bad okay now i'm just gonna like excise half of it basically and tell me tell me how it sounds he began to pace up and down before harry and wormtail eyes sweeping the graveyard all the while after a minute or so he looked down at harry again a cruel smile twisting his snake-like face you stand harry potter upon the remains of my late father he hissed softly a muggle and a fool very like your dear mother mother your mother died to defend you as a child, and I killed my father, and see how useful he has proved himself again in death. Voldemort laughed again. Up and down he paced, looking all around as he walked, and the stake continued to circle in the grass. You see that house upon the hillside, Potter? My father lived there. Still he paced, his red eyes darting from grave to grave. <laughs> Why, I'm growing quite sentimental, but look, Harry Potter, my family returns. Like, you could just cut that shit, and like, you could make that connection. We know that that house yes. is the house Frank was in. Like we we understand that that he was Tom Riddle. Like we 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 have that information, and and like we just let it let it simmer, let it be suspenseful. He doesn't need to to say all this stuff like immediately. Nor would any person, because it's like that <laughs> right. is inf- that's like clearly information that J.K. Rowling thinks is really interesting about him, but is never something that just a like, I know Voldemort's like a crazy guy or whatever, but that's not how people talk right. about themselves. No. I mean, like, like again, my, my my number one thing always with reading is the, like, does it pass the reading out loud test? And, like, granted, we maybe I primed you because, like, we've been laughing about it for this whole discussion so far. But, like, you were laughing halfway through that 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 original reading because it's absurd it just keeps going it's like a joke like he just adds more and more family history stuff on top yeah and it, i i was i was partially laughing just because you know i just read this um, yeah uh-huh. and i just like i think my brain cut all of that out because it's just <laughs> like extraneous information yeah. it's like it's like a fucking math pro- it's like those math problems that you would get where you have to like find the irrelevant information mm, in the mm-hmm. problem yeah that's how i feel about his dialogue where i just like i i have kind of mentally excised a lot of this stuff yeah because i don't care i don't care 
I don't well, care. Not, not only that, like uh, we know it already. Uh, like, yeah, like, and, I, we're, and and we're no, gonna know it again. Oh boy, also. Are, we, are we gonna know it? Okay, so this so. is the new Quidditch rules. <laughs> Voldemort's family history. It's like we're just gonna get it told to us over and over and over again. Holy fuck! This is why there's no Quidditch in this book. She uh, had to find something to overexplain. With no Quidditch, she was lost adrift at sea. I have nothing to overexplain, so I better put Voldemort's entire fucking family tree in here just to make sure the readers remember. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I remember, but by the time we get to book six, it's like, okay, you remember what it was, but now you're going to see it. You're going to have to see it, like, <laughs> live it. as it happened. You saw uh, Tom... <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> You saw Tom Riddle use the diary to frame Hagrid for murder. Now, experience it in four dimensions. Uh, he it talks, is... I'm just like flipping through this, flipping through this chapter, which is the middle one, the Death Eaters. Um, and it's just, it really is kind of a nightmare. There, There is so much good stuff in here, though. Like that, that is what is so annoying about this chapter is that like i really really like a lot of the stuff in voldemort's monologue like like not not just like oh it works basically like some of my favorite lines in harry potter are in here the 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 scene where he is like toying with the death eaters who have shown up and is doing the like so i ask myself blah 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 and i answer (laughs) myself blah 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 i fucking love that scene like 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 that is such a good like this 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 moment where his like quote-unquote loyal followers have arrived and like the thing is like he you know he is like the kind of person the kind of leader that is is never happy right with his followers like there's nothing they could have done that would have satisfied him in this situation and him just like dressing them down after 13 years and them all silently realizing what they've gotten themselves into while he's just like toying with them with this monologue is like wow that is such a good scene but like it's buried in the middle of him also naming every single one of them and what they do and why it's great that they're here like just just stop Voldemort please yeah I really could have used like that scene at at the top of that whole thing when they arrive and he and he's he's like freaking him out and he's uh and and they they are freaked out and it's like a whole thing I liked all of that. Every part where he goes around to each one individually and talks to them, I would have cut that out. <laughs> it also makes no sense. It's, it yeah. makes no sense. I I thought that the whole point of them wearing masks was also was just it, kind yeah. of the like, you know, they yeah. can't know who each other are, but apparently not. Yeah, I thought no. that was part of it. But, is, I, but I guess not. And it's also like especially confusing going forward in this book because I know that it's going to be like a huge plot point that like nobody believes that that Voldemort has risen again. But Harry has a list of names, which on its own, like that's hearsay. At the same time, they all have visible arm tattoos. Like it is the easiest thing to confirm. <laughs> Not only that, but we know, thanks to three excruciatingly long courtroom scenes, that hearsay is enough to go on uh, uh, to be investigated for being a Death Eater. Yeah. That was the entire fucking point of those scenes. It is not difficult. Like, any sort of, like, 
uh, due process where it's like, oh, we can't just go around like checking people's tattoos because you say so is just thrown out of the window because like they definitely can and do. Also, Dumbledore, and I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry to bring this up because I know this is like, like every day on the Reddit someone posts this, but it is fucking true. <laughs> Dumbledore has a pensive in his fucking office. Like yeah. Harry, Harry could could go and put the brain goo in the bowl and every and show everyone exactly what happened and prove it, like like to the letter, like like th- all of th- this. This book is so frustrating because it, it it is built out of so many amazing individual moments that make no sense as a whole. Yeah. Yep. I just I'm like I'm just skimming here and like Voldemort just has so many good lines here, like two like like like. Is this just a matter of like like it's it's hard to kill your darlings like like it's really hard to edit something you're really proud of because it's like there's so much good stuff in here I could see JK being really touchy about editing it like like no this monologue's really good like the the I the I ask myself scene is so good and then like wouldn't let the editor touch any of it because there's so much filler here that could be cut and just let like to leave all of the most incredible like actual really punchy stuff. There are so many ellipses that is getting out of hand i laughed out loud at the part where he says uh i find myself disappointed dot 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 i am disappointed dot 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 because i was just like this is a drill tweet like like voldemort is just wince at this point like like just just sort of posting with with too many ellipses and stuff it is it's it's a lot to read i know that's like one of the most common criticisms of jk's writing but this book has really brought me around on that criticism it's so constant i'd like to take a moment to imagine the like trajectory of the suspense and tension in this book if um instead of voldemort going around the circle of all the death eaters and naming them by their first and last names he had addressed them and then something like vague about them so that there was like a a tension of like i don't know like there are a bunch of people who are followers of voldemort but harry doesn't know who they are right like maybe knows like little bits and pieces about them and can suspect specific people i would be like fine with it being like pretty obvious that one of them was lucius malfoy but it is so bizarre to me that like McNair is name dropped. Yeah, like like or even I, I feel like it would have been would have been better even if Harry had just like 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 because Harry is in shock right now. And it is it is almost surprising to me that he is astute enough at this point to recognize that a voice is for sure Malfoy. Like if it had just said like, oh, a, a voice that he thought sounded a bit like Lucius Malfoy or something, that would have been enough. Right. But just like, yeah, the fact that it's just like, yeah, uh, this weird name checking thing, listing their exploits and their their first and last names is just kind of silly. Like, like, uh, like what if Voldemort had, had gone up to McNair, he wasn't name dropped and it was like you you exterminate animals for the ministry like he says the same thing but just with without no the name. name yeah yeah like that's that and that's that pretty obvious be... right like it is yeah. obvious that is mcnair he is the one character in the books <laughs> we... that we know that has that job right um, but that would still but, that like, would still uh, release that like i don't know that like like reader dopamine when you figure something out like ah, i get it like you know like l- let the reader do some work 
yeah, and the next th- kind of how many but three books left are are like kind of dependent on this like era of like tension and like political tension in the world of of these like people who are going about their ordinary lives but are are part of this like hate group in the evenings and nobody knows who they are and that like that like air of paranoia so it seems really this seems like such an obvious place to like plant that seed for harry (laughs) and for the reader but no we're just gonna know who they are especially going back to the school and being like crab and goyle's parents are death eaters and we just know that instead of being like they could be or even or even Voldemort saying like oh you have kids at the school and Harry probably knows like who who like he would suspect from mm-hmm. Slytherin but not the specific people it's such a it's it's a it's a weird choice and also just like a I, I think it uh, doesn't serve the story very well and it also doesn't make a lot of sense for Voldemort to do in the first place Right. I mean, remember a couple episodes ago we were talking about like <laughs> whether or not the the metaphor of like the woods was intended, right? Mm-hmm. Uh this to me indicates that it was completely unintended because if that was if that was the imagery that was being like specifically run with here, it would have done exactly that. Like Harry can no longer trust adults. Like period, like like no no adult is free from the suspicion of being a Death Eater, except no. Now we just have the list of names. We know who they all are, so that just shatters that like really strong potential storytelling technique immediately. Yeah, it decided to go in a different direction. I don't really know what that direction is. <laughs> we know we know who the we know who the baddies are. I guess, um, and, and like and then I guess Voldemort just like recounts how. I, I mean, this chapter is the we get we get the clue, right? It's like it's Crouch. It's like the mysterious loyal Death Eater that's not there that we're going to find out about in the next in the next couple chapters. It's also so weird to me that there are only like a dozen Death Eaters. Like I, I thought that like with the way that like characters were being named and like that that uh, um, trial and stuff, it was like I would have figured that this would have been more widespread, like like you know they're they're like actual nazis or whatever and not like organization 13 but for muggle murder you know yeah i i feel like this has kind of i'm curious to see how it, it goes in canon i definitely have seen people speculate that the only there's like an inner circle i think that's canon of death eaters that all have the tattoos but that there are like other ones that don't okay so, when so, he so these are death just eaters, like it's like these are the lieutenants right okay that makes a little bit more sense it's just so weird that it's like oh you're all here except for the ones in Azkaban. i'm like mm, okay like because he because he says like oh there should be six more here or whatever like like oh that was really how few death eaters there were like that just seems yeah, a little yeah i i don't know if that is ever like explicitly stated that this is like his inner council or his 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 cabinet of thinking about it we've been told about like what a fucking badass the aurors were for being dark wizard hunters but it seems like they uh missed all of them in this <laughs> they case. got two they got two out of 16 <laughs> 
right, <laughs> whatever. Like, 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 what were they fucking doing all the time? Then they were just like bumbling into like like houses and and going like, "Oops, sorry," and then like leaving. Like, I don't know. It's got. It's just got to be. Yeah, you're right. It's probably that these are all the lieutenants, and it's just not very explicitly stated. But it it, it was kind of funny to me thinking about like, wait a minute, wasn't this supposed to be like really widespread? They're all like high up members of the Ministry of Magic and they all have tattoos on their arms and Harry heard all their names. I don't understand. Do they do, do wizards not like get hot in the summer? Was there was there ever a problem where it would be like like gee Avery, you're sure wearing your long sleeve ropes to work every day in 90 degree weather? Like like does that is that not a problem that's ever come up? Maybe they all wear like armbands in the summer. They're, <laughs> green, they're of... green day armbands. <laughs> They've got Livestrong bracelets all the way up their arm. <laughs> like, like, like yeah. no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they get those awful. God, do you remember? Have you ever been to like a trade show or like like sometimes video games came with them as like a freebie or whatever? Those awful like um fake like arm sleeve tattoos that are like a silk sleeve that you put your arm in i am familiar with those i don't think i've ever had one um god i have a dragon age 2 one somewhere (laughs) (laughs) um that's incredible uh uh, but yeah it just i'm just imagining like like a bunch of death eaters wearing those to work like ah i i I got this great pre-order bonus pre-order dragon age 2 i'm wearing it to work (laughs) (laughs) Uh, maybe they have air conditioning spells for their robes. Oh, yeah. I just feel like if you were an evil, uh, evil Voldemort guy and all of your followers had to have the same tattoos and there was an air of paranoia uh, at the at the old ministry there and they're just throwing people into jail without a trial. They're not checking people's arms for tattoos that they have to have. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. Well, let's move on to this duel scene, which again, I think is great at first. Cool idea. I laughed a couple times. There's some good, well, there's some good jokes here for sure. Like, like this is, this is Voldemort back in like fun campy mode for sure. Um, him like explaining the, uh, the, the rules of dueling to Harry and talking about manners is pretty great. Um, there's a moment where he is talking about dueling or whatever, and like the Death Eaters are all looking at each other sideways through their masks, like what the fuck is going on? I really liked that. <laughs> um, th- this this idea that like they're they're just like oh fuck, what do we like? What do we get ourselves into? Our boss was crazy, right? I remember now, like like whoopsie daisy. Um, I I like that um, Harry's about to be killed and he thinks back to the dueling club. <laughs> His, la- his last thought is of Lockhart. Mine too, to to be honest. What a what a what a pleasant final thought that would be. Um, yeah, but yeah, like like the the setup of this scene is so great, and then it just kind of fucking keeps going, uh, and 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 like loses it. It ceases being scary when when it becomes like this weird comedy of errors where like. Harry is is refusing to play along and Voldemort is just like running out of funny ways to taunt him and like the Imperio thing goes on for way too long and just like oh, I this is this is also okay and I I get that this is probably the point but I think that this is maybe more devastating to Voldemort's cred 
than I, it really uh, uh, <laughs> reflects in the book. If your big power play after being resurrected is, yo, I'm going to kill a child and you can't do it. Like, fuck. Like, what are you doing? Like, you, you're I don't know. I, like, like in a in a in a in a nightmare uh, evil society where where uh, respect and power are the things that matter. If your Dark Lord boss can't fight a 14 year old effectively, I'd just probably like instigate a coup right then and there, maybe like it's pretty embarrassing. Um, I also kind of want to talk about the the uh, like, is this whole thing where their wands connect like an unknown thing? Because here's what mm-hmm. I think. There's one wand salesman in Diagon Alley. That's for the whole country. And he's like super old, right? Or like the wand sales place is like. Yeah. Like since it's like since only, like. It's like is since, it really rare that there would be two wands made with the same core? I, this is this is so like doesn't matter. But it's a very like weird thing and i and i don't quite understand why voldemort wouldn't have like cut the connection because he obviously like could have then just killed harry right Mm -hmm. yeah i'm just like very curious if this is like an unknown thing and the death eaters are like freaking out yeah this whole thing to me more than anything else in this book i mean like like we talked about this with the golden cloud that turns your world upside down last week but like mm-hmm. this idea sometimes in writing you just you come across something where you know that this image was really vivid in the author's mind and they wanted to get to this and like and this is not like this is, to be clear this is not a criticism a lot of people write backwards right like you, you think of an amazing mm-hmm. ending and then you work up to it um you think of an amazing image and you think about how to get there um and this has that air and it just doesn't come together quite right i don't think like this this idea of the two wands locking and like the 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 description of like the golden cage with all of the death eaters locked outside of it like like circling it like a like a fucking dog fight or whatever and like cheering for voldemort and stuff like that image is so strong um yeah and the (laughs) what it means for the story ends up being very confusing because you're totally right like like the the excuse for it or not the excuse that's the wrong word but like the the explanation for it is like oh it's because they have the same core and they're 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 dueling but like that doesn't make any sense because dueling is clearly like an established thing in this universe there are clubs there like it's a it's a it's a pastime as well as a like defense technique so the odds of no one ever putting two brother wands together or whatever seems pretty fucking low. Um, and also the payoff here um, with the ghosts coming out is another thing that just feels like, oh, that's a really incredible moving image. Uh, and then I guess they just explain to Harry that he's got to just uh, stop this and run. Like, and, and they're like talking to him like normal people. It's just like, again undercuts itself in really weird ways i I also um in the tradition of something 
like something in the magical world, having it be established what it does. I find that the use of the chapter title here to be very confusing because this is, this is like a, this is a direct callback to a spell that was cast um, by Crouch to check what spells had been cast by a wand and it, to be fair, it's not in the text. It's just the chapter title. So I guess I don't really know how much of a direct like line I can draw. But it's like, in this case, when it's cast on Voldemort's wand in a different way, it makes ghosts come out that yeah. then talk to Harry like they're there and people it's, who are there this sure seems like a useful way to catch dark wizards if it was real like if this was actually how uh priori incantatum worked which yeah you're right it's just such a very it's a very confusing chapter title because it is it's a direct reference to something that happened in this book differently right like like we know what priori incantatum does uh uh we we have like textual evidence of that at the beginning of the book and so bringing it up again here for a completely different thing it's not it, it, like it's it's not like an ironic like there, there's there's a you know you could do like an ironic callback to something else that's different in a book but uh with real words i think i don't think you can really do that with your own made-up spells uh it just doesn't really would, fit it, it would i i can't come up with a reason why harry would cast the spell but it would work a lot better for me if that was the spell that he cast that that triggered this connection also Mm. but he doesn't he could like fuck i don't know like maybe he maybe he heard through the grapevine or something that like that's what it does and he realizes that he, he has voldemort's wand in front of him he he knows that he's gonna probably die and he's like fuck it i'm gonna see my parents for the last time and like cast that as his spell that would work right am i being crazy here i would i would say that this book has been become so long and it feels like that spell happened so long ago that it would need a lot of scaffolding to make that make sense throughout the story yeah um but i think that it would work really well thematically especially because this is harry i mean like the woods and moving into adulthood and like all of that stuff and it's like but harry is still looking backwards yeah like that that's all there um sort of i'm definitely (laughs) like looking for it but like overall i just think like the symbolism and the things that are happening in this duel and with the connection of the wands is so like it's just a mixed bag of a whole lot of different stuff all thrown in here and i think there are a lot of good ideas but there's none a lot of, of them really, really pay off. Yeah, it's like super vivid imagery. It's just that like it immediately kneecaps itself as soon as the ghosts just start fucking talking. Like, imagine if he just like saw them, like saw flashes of them or something and made him think about stuff. Just the idea that these like like there's there's such weird dark comedy to me in this description of his mom like swooping out of this wand like made out of goop. And then just like walking <laughs> over to him and being like, like, yo, we'll run defense for this Hail Mary pass and you, you'll you just run to the run to the cup. OK, dude, that's, like, that's definitely something that I didn't need Harry to have explained to him. Like, even if they all uh, like, like pour it out of the wand and look at Harry 
and he's like, oh, it's my parents. And then they turn and like attack Voldemort or whatever, or distract him or whatever the hell they're doing. I would be okay with Harry putting together a plan just, on his own. I'm sorry. Also, what does it mean for the ghosts to distract Voldemort? Like, what are they going to fucking do? They're ghosts. <laughs> I guess like, they're talking to him. Are they just I like, hey? Know. They don't like, like they just start hey, counting random. Yeah, they just start yelling random numbers at him, like he's trying to count out loud, and they're just like oh, five, seven, uh, uh, twenty-two. <laughs> Thank you, ghosts. <laughs> yeah, like what? Uh, like at least, I don't know. Maybe they could like turn into scary ghosts or something and zoom at him, like when they turn around or something. But just that the, the image, cool. the image of just like like two twenty-year-olds an old guy and Cedric Diggory, like, like, I don't know, pulling funny faces and jumping around Voldemort in a circle going like, yeah, like they're, they're just like, like, they're just like heckling him. <laughs> I don't know why that's going to work. <laughs> also just in general, this, this like so many things in the Harry Potter series, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the way that Harry Potter like stumbles around this uh just gets more and more confusing is that like i have no idea what the afterlife is in this world like were those actually his parents ghosts like because they're talking to him and they're like completely sentient and seem to be aware of their surroundings and are gonna flip voldemort off for him um but like if if that's the case if you can literally bring the dead back that way that kind of undercuts a lot of like the angst in this series about losing people i think yeah i i i'm glad you brought this up because i think that i would uh, would be remiss in like because i i've been talking about this a lot like leading up to this and how i think this book more than anything else situates dumbledore as like the moral good character mm -hmm. but i feel like this and the symbolism in this chapter is the most like Dumbledore is God moment only because it's like Harry had like the, the twin wands that are there um, are like they're from they're from Dumbledore's pet his phoenix or whatever and I, I feel like the the wand event that happens that saves Harry especially after all that fucking carrying on about how how the killing curse is unblockable and unstoppable and you know you cannot live like this is the divine miracle right and I feel mm -hmm. like and I feel like those ghosts are like they're angels like Dumbledore sent his angels uh -huh. and we get to hear all <laughs> the phoenix song um and like I'm okay with that I, like I think it's like pretty goofy um <laughs> But again, like, I think it really gets bogged down in all of, like, the kind of mixed messaging with, like, uh, like it being, like, oh, they're wand brothers and all that. Like, it has nothing to do with Fox, right? Like, Harry is, like, reminded of Dumbledore and he thinks specifically he he hears the phoenix song and is like that reminds me of phoenixes which reminds me of fox, which reminds me of Dumbledore, um, who is God. Uh, but but then we kind of get like kind of bogged down later on with wand lore and all the like specifics of the way the magic works that I think takes away from this. Like I honestly would rather hear, have it be like a miracle thing that happened because of whatever than, than all of this kind of lore dump. Does that what make if sense? Just, yeah, no, totally. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this book in this book, we have finally 
we we are we have we have gained some confidence in our own selves and we have thrown off the shackles of prefacing everything with i don't want to backseat write this but <laughs> because i i do want to backseat write this right, right now um what if he just cast a fucking patronus what if he just saw the ghosts and was so moved that he cast a fucking patronus and ran away yeah like that makes like, that, yeah i mean that that's such a such a more symbolic thing for him to do <laughs> Yeah, like, like, I, I, especially instead, he cast a Patronus at a fucking Bogart on accident uh, a few pages earlier. Well, not a few pages, God, because there's a lot of monologuing before then. But like, he just like, like, kind of brought out the Patronus as like a reference earlier, um, rather than like an actual thing that mattered to the story, which was just kind of weird. Yeah, this is a weird, this is some weird stuff. Some weird stuff. And it ends the port key thing. The biggest oh, yeah. plot hole in the book. Well, not plot hole. Biggest. So it here's is a the question. Here's the question. So, so J.K. Rowling has has jumped back in and says it's not a plot hole because port keys go back, right? Like at us, they seem to be on some sort of timer. Mm-hmm. Did you get? Because like I, I'm thinking about the scene from Crimes of Grindelwald. Yep. They take a bucket and and uh, Dan Fogler's character is like holding the bucket. And at one point, as if on a timer, Newt turns to him and says, oh, by the way, drop that. He does. And then Mm -hmm. it returns. We see it pop out of existence. To make that lineup with this, like assuming that was always how it worked, does that mean that the ghosts knew the port key timer? Is that like the (laughs) crucial, is that like the crucial piece of information that they like popped into existence and were like, we know when that port key is going back. That's, and that's and it's like, Harry, you got to go to that port key right now. That, hence yeah, the timing. So, there, so, so what you don't what you don't know about Harry Potter is that when you're a ghost, you actually become a really, really good uh, League of Legends player. And someone pinged that the port key would be up again in 59 seconds, and they remembered. Oh, and they, when you're yeah. a ghost, you have nothing to do but play free to play video games. Yeah, that seems fair. Um. I just that just melted my brain. Just like I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> it's so it's it's just it it is so funny to me too that like that is the because that is the way it has to work, right? Is is like Harry had to grab it at the exact right time that it was leaving for this to make for that plot hole explanation to make sense. The the, the crimes of Grindelwald retcon. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, the, the way it, the way it reads is that it's two way. Like, like, like he grabs it and then it lurches, right? Like, like it, I'm just imagining this version where it was on a timer and he like grabbed it and then just had to wait there. I'm not trying to push this, uh, Dumbledore is God, the ghosts are angels thing too far, but it makes way more sense for an angel to know than, and like God to know when the port key is going back than just like rando ghosts. Ghosts don't know anything. (laughs) (sighs) This book, this book. I was I was watching clips from that um the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie that was made in like fuck yeah the early two thousands. Um, so I I've got the the heavy handed religious symbolism on the on the brain right now. No, that I I I think that makes sense. Right, like like the, the Dumbledore being like the god figure for this story just I think gets more and more uh. uh just heavy-handed as time goes on especially when he has sort of his like redemptive arc but not really in the last book where harry's just like hey 
what you did kind of sucked and was manipulative to me. And Double Lord just goes like, yeah, but we did it right. Like, just 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 really feels like a like a Job moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I, I, it gets a little bit bit twisted when I feel like both Harry and Voldemort are like set as like opposition a little bit. Like they they are they are kind of uh, set parallel, which because I'm like, okay, Harry is Jesus who doesn't die, and I think maybe J.K. Rowling chickened out and didn't kill him off at the end of the book. Um, yeah, he's resurrected. But, like, I don't know what Voldemort is supposed to be. We'll see. I haven't read Deathly Hallows in a long time. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, Lucifer, I guess. Like, like that. Although Grindelwald kind of hits that more. I Who fucking knows? And it, it, it could even be that it's not even that deep or, like, like it yeah, wasn't it definitely thought about. Doesn't need, definitely does not need to track one-to-one. I'm, I, this is all such, like, a hodgepodge of... I mean, I, and also Random this stuff can mythology. be, yeah, like this could be so un, like, like this is unconsciously part of so much of like Western storytelling, right? Like, oh yeah, like it, it could just be like completely unintended. But whew, what a long. Do you have anything else to say about this reading? It, like, there, this is almost like to me that this is so emblematic of like the whole book so far, and that like some of my favorite Harry Potter moments period are in this reading. I think that parts of Voldemort's appearance are so strong and memorable, Mm -hmm. but I'd forgotten that he just monologues for the entire chapter. So it's, 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 it's a weird one for me. This could have been my favorite Harry Potter book. It needed to be prisoner of Azkaban length. I I hate to harp on this because I feel like it's a very reductive way of talking about it to just say, Oh, it should be shorter. But so much of it just like, in all ways it's just like there's good stuff but please stop like (laughs) just 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 relax just stop uh you've gone too far um and i think that like this is the case here this is like a big a big reveal to see voldemort as himself like in the present time and not on the back of someone's head for the Mm -hmm. first time um and there's some really striking stuff, and I, I like a lot of the stuff about his character here. Um, and then there's just like stuff that doesn't make sense, and and things where he just needs to stop a little bit. <laughs> I'm just I'm just imagining a version of the Empire Strikes Back, where like like Darth, we finally seen Darth Vader go ape shit on on luke skywalker with a lightsaber and he's he's got him on the ropes and he's cut his hand off and then he instead of just saying no i am your father he goes okay so i was born on a desert planet (laughs) my mother was a slave and then uh qui-gon jinn came and and freed just me in a deal in a pod race now pod racing is when you have uh, uh two (laughs) engines attached to a little chair it's really fun uh you should play the video game the movie's not great uh okay so then we kind of skip forward in time a little bit uh and i was in love with a senator uh who used to be the a queen uh and just like just like explaining the plot of the of the fucking prequels to him like that's what this chapter feels like 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 this imposing really character this imposing dramatic campy character just appears and is just like okay i'm gonna tell you literally everything and remove any sense of mystery like it sure makes half-blood prince useless i don't like everything that we're gonna learn i already know or is completely irrelevant 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, but then there's just so many good moments. I mean, robe me. Robe me. It's so good. Like it's very like, funny. Yeah, just that 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 says more to me about Voldemort than his entire fucking monologue, honestly. Uh, you know, I guess you got to guess you got to write 6 million words. His story about killing his dad is just like just say you killed your dad. Like we get it. You're a sicko. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, like, not good. Too long. Not good. Um, Speaking of things that are too long, I think it's time for us to take a break after these three very, very heavy chapters. Sounds good to me, yeah. Hello and welcome back. Hello. I hope that uh, us us dragging all the way through Voldemort's long long uh monologue has not has not put you to sleep because we have some 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 good good content here for you at the end here. Yeah, we do. Um I have <laughs> I have a quick question for you. Mhm. Uh this is topical. I I love to I love to bring that bring it all back to to some real some real life stuff that's going on. Ooh. Uh, you uh you hear about those uh ted bundy uh tape documentary thing that everyone's been talking about uh uh-huh yeah the yep mm -hmm, are you you enjoying the various discourse uh i that's been around i have to confess i don't think there is a discourse i give less of a shit about than serial killer fandom discourse it's very funny i like seeing everyone's very serious posts about how like bad serial killer fandom is because i do agree but also it's like it's how just whack you know that? like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just how... like okay it's it, yeah it's just like 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 i i don't this is another thing like there's another thing like this that came up recently where i was just like yeah i agree but like does this really even need to be said like like do you does this need to be a discourse like no fucking shit it's weird to like legitimately obsess over wanting to fuck ted bundy like right like like if if someone is out there standing jeffrey dahmer like i agree that's super whack but do i need to make like a serious post about it probably not um however to any anybody out there standing ted bundy um might i offer a safe fictional arts alternative in (laughs) the charming uh tom riddle oh hell yes oh i like where this is going (laughs) the the charming tom riddle who is has killed no real life people um uh, i think it's time to to take a trip back to the the confessional and uh check out uh the the tumblr confessions related to (laughs) to voldemort tom riddle in honor of voldemort's resurrection on this day oh Um, i'm so excited Sometimes, sometimes you go go into church. Uh, you're you're in your the fandom church, and you sit down in the confessional booth, and and it's, and it's us, ZC and Liz, here to to <laughs> sa- save your save your mortal fandom soul. Hell yeah, um, here we are. <laughs> so I've got our first confession, and this is this is I hate to do my favorite one first, but this is a good one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Whatever I think of a full-grown, un- 
Voldied, which I assume means like if he didn't get all fucked up and look like a snake man, Tom Riddle. I imagine him looking like Benedict Cumberbatch from the Sherlock series. <laughs> no way. God damn it. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, yeah, I guess if I was casting, if I was casting like middle-aged Tom Riddle, I would probably pick Benedict Cumberbatch because he does have, I don't know. Is there a nice way to say snake-like features? um that you know yeah he's like he's he has very unique looking yes i think he's an attractive guy i i that's my confession i i think he's very attractive no Um, yeah say nothing of the quality of the shows and movies he decides to no i I would i would agree i i think that i think that he has often been made to look very funny in 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 various movies but i think that's on them and not him uh i i yeah i i would agree have you okay this is a weird aside have you seen that he's in that brexit movie yes i have Uh, i I have no interest in watching that but it is very well i mean now i do because he's in it and that's very funny to me um but it's a it's a strange role for him yeah benedict cumberbatch is mr brexit um yeah but now he can be tom riddle yeah middle-aged not not all fucked up tom riddle <laughs> yeah i would agree i i would say you know what uh, uh weird thing to think about but sure yeah i i i i think that he he has a voldemorty air around him and he could he could definitely carry the campy performance uh that uh that, that i think voldemort requires for sure he, he's probably on the like top of my list as someone that would play just like a campy villain for sure yeah. just uh, he's he's pretty extra and and does a pretty good job with that sort of thing he's so i would say he i don't so, think that's even a sin this is a great he, idea yeah he is so good at being like an over-the-top villain that he makes pr- approximately five minutes of the second hobbit movie watchable that's how good <laughs> he is uh when he is when he is smaug and he's he's yelling and hooting up a storm as a big dragon it's pretty good like good performance so yeah not a sin not a sin great idea my child that's that's pretty impressive also i can't i would be remiss not to mention him crushing heads in star trek into darkness yeah very bad movie but his performance was very funny i don't like him as con however he was cast as a character named named fucking con like like, like they, they they had a mm, they, they they should have made some different choices there but you know what he i guess he did uh I, he did uh uh he did he, he did all right with what he was handed you know yeah yeah so so yeah benedict Cumberbatch is cast as um non-fucked up voldemort in our cw show for sure hell yes <sighs> another person has entered the booth and we must hear their confession let's this hear is, it this is another doozy if voldemort still looked like his former self he would be able to turn me into the dark side in an instant i mean <laughs> damn look at him no this one goes on for a while no wonder bellatrix was driven insane i'll kill as many muggles as he tells me even dobby fuck dobby (gasps) (laughs) Ooh, mm, this is a cardinal (laughs) sin just for that holy shit get out of my fucking booth um (laughs) 
uh yeah yeah some sins can never be forgiven i'm the, i'm the meme right now i'm holding the gun <laughs> uh, i'm some some crimes can never be forgiven and that that's one of them um I do, this does remind me, because, you know, you started this segment talking about the Ted Bundy thing. That is the thing that I always find so wild about the Ted Bundy fandom thing. Like, I I watched a little bit of that documentary, and I will say, Ted Bundy, not that attractive. There's, there's like, the footage of him in the courtroom where he's, like, like being uh, tried or whatever, and there's, like, all the fan, like, his fans, like, outside. I'm just like, I feel like you could find an equally crazy guy who was more handsome yeah i don't it seems to be again this is why i think those very serious posts being like don't crush on ted bundy are a little misguided because it's like seems like it's a well-known phenomenon that some people for some reason have some kind of wire crossed and maybe Uh maybe maybe that's more of a they could go to a therapist and maybe work that one out Uh i don't know or just just you know what that's that's the God, I'm I, I'm I'm so sorry to whoever whoever made this tweet because I don't have like credit handy, but I'm sure everyone saw it. There was that incredible uh, uh, post going around that was like, uh, like queer people. Yeah, it's not all that weird to want to fuck monsters. Straight people. Yeah, I love Ted Bundy. Queer people. <laughs> wait, what? Like, <laughs> uh. So Very I don't know, funny. just if, if you if you find yourself thinking I could fuck Ted Bundy, I don't know, just like read some some uh, Tom Riddle, Lily Evans fan fiction, which brings Ooh. me to my next confession. Yeah, I was one of those fans who secretly wondered if anything had happened between Tom and Lily, even though it's not canon. I still wonder about the possibility of Tom being Harry's father. Uh, okay, you can't see me right now, but I'm rubbing my temples trying to remember, were they even anywhere close to being in this? Because he was in school in like the 50s, wasn't he? He was born in 1926, if that helps. <laughs> okay, so yeah, no, I, I think you might be the only one who, who, who has that. Not a sin, just very stupid. I'm very confused. Like, I don't even understand when. Like, what? Like, there was a prophecy when Lily got out of school about harry and they immediately went into hiding and then voldemort killed her at basically at like first look like just <laughs> just like not even one second like maybe and- maybe maybe there's a part maybe that's why the whole whole like memory is so blurry because it's like like actually she had that kind of uh like ted bundy fucking gene in her and and voldemort kicked down the door and killed james and she was like you know what all right, this guy, <laughs> this mass murderer guy uh, who looks like a snake man, actually kind of kind of into it. Can't deny he's kind of hot. <laughs> I can. I'm sorry. I love Ray Fiennes as Voldemort so much, but he is not uh, doesn't really have like an attractive villain air. He just sort of looks like someone who tripped and fell into a bag of flour. We get to see Voldemort like in two ways. And one is when he's about 16 years old in the movies. And then again, when he is a snake man, I have a really hard time picturing what Voldemort looked like when he was like knocking on the potter's door. You know what I oh, mean? That's a good he, point. Yeah. Cause, cause he would have been like, he, uh, I, I guess I don't know. Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, what, yeah, it was Benedict Cumberbatch knocking on the door, and Lily was like, and Lily was like, oh, he's very unique looking. Very attractive. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, he looks like he looks a bit like that guy on TV. He looks like Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, he just took a stroll down from 221B down to Fulmer needs a Watson. Yeah, Peter Pettigrew doesn't really fill that role very well. No. He's he's, he's a little too sniveling. Like Watson's a little bit sniveling, but Watson can hold his own a little bit. Um yeah, I feel like there could have been a better sidekick for him for sure. I I hate to do this with um retroactive Harry Potter theories in the middle of our third segment, but there's something I forgot to mention from uh our reading discussion that I oh, just yeah. ha- I have to say yeah, when yeah. Wormtail gets his silver arm, I was 100% convinced that he was going to kill Lupin with it. Like that, like it was like a silver bullet. Oh, and he was going to have killed huh. all the marauders, and that did not happen. You're, yeah, I, I never made that connection, but that makes sense because it because it goes out of its way to say it's silver, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Huh. I thought that would have been cool. Yeah, what does he do with it in the end? I don't think anything. He just jerks off and goes, "Oh, master, thanks for the hand. Thanks for the um, hand." <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'll I'll be on the lookout uh, in our in the books. I don't remember. Um, I guess did did we did we have a verdict on uh, the sin of shipping Lily and Tom Riddle? I, I I am okay. It is. I think this is a complicated one. If you are telling me that, that the theory is uh, like middle aged Tom Riddle boinked high school Lily, I'm going to put that firmly in the sin category. Um if if that's just a misreading of dates and thinking <laughs> that they went to school at the same time, I'm gonna say just kind of dumb. So I, I think this is yeah, this is a, a contextual, uh a context heavy uh verdict here. So I'm just gonna say uh uh go back and read the dates again before uh, saying this this confession out loud once more. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, are you ready for another one? This is kind of a lighthearted one. All right, all right. Um, and it's honestly more of a statement than a confession, uh, but we're just going to go with it. Sure. I bet when young Tom Riddle found the Chamber of Secrets and found out there was a basilisk in there, he straight up shit his pants. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> No one expects to come face to face with a big ass snake like that. That is pretty. Fu- yeah, we we never get to know what Tom Riddle because he discovered the chamber while he was in school. Right. Like, so I'm just imagining like this 15 year old scooting down this shitty sewer pipe and then just like finding a giant snake down there. And and I guess he could talk to it. So so so. Maybe it wasn't all. Maybe it was like, whoa, hey, there's a snake down here. And the snake was like, oh, my God, dude, finally. Like, can <laughs> we can we can we fuck some muggles up already? Like, like, I guess we don't really know what the basilisk talks like. But it, it uh, I, I imagine that I imagine that actually they probably just kind of hit it off right away because they're both evil. And like Voldemort has to think for snakes, right? He's like, that's kind yeah. of his thing. Yeah. yeah. Although although his pet snake is a human woman. That's true uh <laughs> yeah uh, i i blissfully i wouldn't say i forgot it because i don't think i'll ever forget it but i will say while i was reading this chapter and it kept on mentioning that nagini was like slithering around i never once thought that it, it was a lady never once thought about I, that i thought it every single time what you were just going like like that that snake in the grass is a human woman yeah yeah i was <laughs> 
<sighs> I, I, I think that's fine. I, I'm going to give him a pass on that one. I, like, I, I think that Voldemort might have been scared encountering the, the big ass snake. I think um, he was probably scared until he opened his mouth and was able to say stuff. Is it weird that Harry does not try to talk to the snake in Chamber of Secrets? I feel like that isn't something that I brought up when we were talking about it. And I feel like the passage of Wait. time has made me think back. Holy shit. To like when I, Harry was in there and Tom Riddle, maybe I'm just like, miss. maybe he did. And was like, no, don't kill me. Kill that guy. That's, huh. Maybe we did talk about it and I just forgot, but I just, you've given me a brainwave here and I'm like, did, did Harry ever? Because I mean, like it could have been, I mean, it could have been like anything, right? Like he could have said like, please don't kill me. And the snake could have said, I'm going sicko mode. But like, uh. <laughs> you know uh, yeah like, that's probably like, what happened um <laughs> it is weird i guess that he never like tried to talk it down or anything maybe basil no because tom riddle communicates to it in parcel tongue uh, harry he's hears at it. it harry hears it talk throughout the book yeah huh i never i've never thought about that or at least i don't remember ever thinking about that you've hmm this is oh no i'm i'm being thrust back into chamber of secrets uh out and i gotta say after after being in goblet of fire for so long it's sort of relieving but not really because it's not any better it was a very simple story back then uh, i'll take That's us true. out of chamber of secrets uh to jump back oh, into the, this next confession you have you have a bird with a with the, can carry <laughs> us out of here yeah um it, it's also in the tumblr style confessions it's um the picture they chose to be in the background is of tom riddle as like a small child at the orphanage and it's very okay, funny okay. like child actor picture <laughs> i feel that if tom riddle was shown love from the beginning and was a good slash adjusted slash not a murderous psycho he would have been a fantastic person <laughs> I included this because this is my my <laughs> Damn, fucking favorite true. my favorite kind of like meaningless observation. Like, Damn, it really it really do be like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if he hadn't done all those bad things, it would not have been as bad. If he, if he didn't do horrible things and act like a psycho, he would have been great. True. Never thought of it like that. That's incredible. That's god that, i mean we, we're making fun of it but like gotta be honest this is like <laughs> half the discourse around characters in harry potter right like this is the snape discourse this is the like well if snape had done this he would have been good and it's like well yeah but he didn't do that did he like <laughs> we like, like at what point is it just like yeah things would be different if they were different you you got a good point there yeah if you change if you change the words in the sentence it changes what the sentence means thank you <laughs> yeah wow real deep real deep observations i'm not gonna call that a sin i'm just gonna say kind of like the other one just like go and read something R read another book That's try again <laughs> try again tom and draco are the only interesting people in whole harry potter storyline i mean damn they're not just hot <laughs> what <laughs> what the fuck they're not just they're not just hot <laughs> they're fucking pricks too this <laughs> they're extremely I'm gonna go evil on, yeah uh they, is it was this written was this anna todd did anna todd write this i think so yeah 
<laughs> plug for our bonus episode. It's, an- it's anonymous, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's the it's the same energy. Anna Todd, Anna Todd, is that you? Is that you in the confessional over there? I would like to focus on the part of saying that they're interesting characters because yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's going to be more and we're going to get a lot more lore, but and I don't even think they're like bad characters. No. But, but they're, they're just very one dimensional. They're, they're very one dimensional and they kind of serve a role in the story. Uh, Voldemort more so than Draco at, at this point. Uh, yeah. I would not say that they're very interesting in their own. They're, they're not very self actualized characters, I suppose. I think Draco kind of scrapes in at the last minute, right? Like, like slides under the door. But Tom Riddle, like. <sighs> Tom Riddle is definitely the least interesting character almost because everything we learn about him is almost like a detriment to how scary he is. Right. Yeah, like, he really should like, only be scary. Everything he yeah. does should be in service of him being scary. Yeah. 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 All the parts where they try to make us like sympathize with him or, or like explain away why he's evil just don't work for me uh, and make him less interesting. So I'm going to say this is a half sin. Um, I'm going to say that it is weird to call uh, uh, small children hot uh, and uh, and but it's not a sin to think that they're interesting, just a little dumb. I feel like th- this person might be reading a little more of maybe what they want to into these characters than is actually uh, this, this, there. This this feels more like uh, maybe maybe this is similar, more similar to what you say sometimes where you're like, I can't remember how much of this is fan fiction memories and how much of this is the book. Right. Like, I'm sure yeah. there's some good Draco fanfic out there that make him a, you know, more rounded character. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, as presented in the book, uh, certainly nowhere <laughs> close to the most interesting character, I don't think. <laughs> trying to think of what draco has done in goblet of fire and all i can think of is his talking into his hands at a bug that's basically it that's pretty <laughs> much it right like like yeah he he, he made, made an appointment some, with a journalist he made some rude badges that say potter stinks <laughs> i forgot he made those okay so actually maybe he is pretty interesting because he he's getting pretty innovative with his with his bullying right like he made some badges that's yeah that's, that's some going cre- the extra that's mile. Some creative energy yeah he's he's he'll he'll if he doesn't like you he will fucking go the distance to let you know which that's pretty interesting to let you know that you stink (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i have a final confession for us all right um and i think this is a a real sinner walking in the door Uh uh-oh as a snape fan it (laughs) it upsets me how fellow stands show zero compassion towards tom riddle both came from less than desirable circumstances and had it difficult in life, but at least Severus had a mother who loved him. <laughs> what? Wait, <laughs> hang on a second. What? This is okay. As a Snape fan. As a Snape fan. <laughs> it upsets me how fellow Snape fans show zero compassion towards tom riddle is that a thing are are tom riddle fans and snape fans at odds are they competing no (laughs) both came from less than desirable circumstances and had it difficult in life but at least severus had a mother who loved him i love this switch to his first name this okay this is this is wild to me because this is this feels like part of a bigger argument because remember there was all that stuff about how jk was saying that like 
oh if 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 tom riddle had had a mother figure he wouldn't have been bad or whatever yeah like that hmm that this this feels like a missing piece in a bigger argument or something because i'm just i've never i know that sometimes you know like especially in like shipping communities there's like friendly rivalries that like appear um uh for example gensi uh uh shippers are the most boring people on earth that's true um but uh i'm gonna just just say that like (laughs) i don't think i've ever encountered tom riddle fans and 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 snape fans going at each other i mean tom riddle's his boss basically right like yeah it's pretty pretty clear cut imo yeah i mean there are more than zero snape voldemort fan fictions out there are there Oh yeah. I mean, I got, okay. I sounded I sounded more surprised there than I meant. I mean, of course there are, but like I've never encountered one. Like, oh yeah, they're around. Um, what's that called? Is that Snoldemort? I I feel I, I guess I'm not very familiar with Voldemort. Ships. Is it called vape? Is it called vape? Please uh, tell me it's called vape. It should be. I don't think there's like a unified name that is like accepted by everyone. Well, I'm calling it vape. It's I'm vape. calling it. It's vape. <laughs> Shipping Voldemort and Snape is vape. That is that is okay. So two two things here. One, uh, 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 sin. Just because I think it, uh, this is this is coveting coveting thy neighbor's uh, ship is what's going on here. The coveting um, so thy neighbor's a... redemption arc, honestly. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, coveting thy neighbor's redemption arc, and but also I am, I am, I am lessening the 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 severity of the sin here for bringing this idea uh, to the table, so I can I can make this grand uh, uh, holy decree that if you ship Voldemort and Snape, it is called vape. So it so, is, so. it is called vape. I will say that um, they have committed somewhat of a sin for a Snape fan in that I feel like they think this is a good argument to be sympathetic toward Tom Riddle, but in fact, it is an argument to be less sympathetic towards Snape. Like they're kind of, they're <laughs> right. kind of, they're kind of killing their own cause here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of cutting their own argument off at the pass here for sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think I think we have done our due diligence. I think we have uh, we have we have we've handed out some decrees that are very important to the community while JK is still missing and unable to do so. Yeah. And here we are saving souls, uh, you know, out here in the field. Uh, people are getting <laughs> redeemed left and right. That's right. That's uh, right. Especially, I, cl- I clearly have a great grasp of how confession is supposed to work. <laughs> That's us, yeah. Uh, uh, the most religious podcasters around. <laughs> uh, this is this has been uh, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text coming to you live. Ooh, that's that's <laughs> some ca- casting some s- stones at thy thy podcast neighbor. <laughs> oh i don't know i've never i'm sure they're lovely i just you know that's we, we're encroaching on their territory a little bit here so yeah yeah so yeah maybe we should watch out a little bit um okie dokie uh shall i take us to the close here do we have any more or yeah i think so all right our theme song is Hot McGonagall by cheshire moon you can check them out on Bandcamp. huge thanks to them for letting us use that as our theme song you can just check us out on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash streetcast. We just hit $400. Woo! 
like yesterday. It's really exciting. Um, and that means that we are just $20 away from another funny number. Uh, so, so if you're listening to this and are like, I could use some more Shriekcast and I have I have some money to burn, go there and make our dreams come true and and listen to our great content about uh, uh, bad books, bad movies, um, uh, legacies, a great TV show, perhaps the greatest TV show of all time. Who can say uh, and and get us to closer to that funny number and beyond. Um, and Liz, what are we reading next week? Boy, are we in a pickle. We've got three chapters left of this book. Um, oh, God. So, so let me see here. We could probably just finish it out, honestly. You, th- you think we think are we doing this or yeah. are we on the home stretch? So the, yeah, just... let's just finish it out. I only say that because the chapter that we have, like the next one is just going to be Crouch telling us what happened. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we can finish it out. Let's do let's do another three here. All right. Oh, I'm so excited. That means we're going to be fucking done. Yeah, done with Goblet of Fire. Those chapters are chapter 35, Veritaserum, chapter 36, The Parting of the Ways, and chapter 37, The Beginning. That's exciting. Wow, we are nearly done with the fourth book, and then we've got a movie to watch. Yeah. Whew. That's that's big. I'm excited. Um, Well... You know, we we might sound excited to be finished with Goblet of Fire, but uh, I beg you, if you are thinking of reading it yourself, please read another book. Please read another book. Makes ocean rolls seem tame. But know what you're after if you catch a ride. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.